called. Um, but it's like a it's a conditioning strip. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, power conditioner, and it yeah. will just strip out any funny buzzes that you've got with lighting. Yeah, so I think they're only five or six. They're just like a four way. It must have some, I don't know, something in it that stops it buzzing anyway. Unicorn dust. That's the one. Ground down in a factory. Yeah. Uh, uh, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm much better than I was last week. I was feeling terrible last week and I just couldn't hold my mind in one thought for m- longer than about three seconds. So what? discussing gravity waves was... Uh, <laughs> Well, I assume you're on fine form to discuss uh, gravitational lensing this week. Then <laughs> I don't even I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> um, welcome to uh, episode four of North v South um, podcast that is about but not about design. Hey, that sounds almost professional, now, doesn't it? That's just what I was thinking. <laughs> Have you been rehearsing? Yeah, I've been up all night. Um, so yeah, we've had a great. Uh, uh, time making this so far uh, we went on a bit last week and we apologize that we were a bit fluffy around the edges we've listened back and um yeah we're definitely going to try and keep it under the hour mark today yeah i think for everybody's sake <laughs> yes you know, my mum's listening so i'm not sure her attention span can uh, hello mum stretch much past an hour hello mum <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, this week we are f- sort of formalising how we're going to um, proceed with the show. Um, and one of the things is we're going to be introducing news about design and illustration. Um, not like a boring list like you get from Design Week, um, but more just picking out things that uh, have piqued our interest or the things that we uh, are interested in or haven't even thought about. That'll probably <laughs> be my state of affairs anyway. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to this week? That's... Well, this week's been it's been painting, uh, watercolor painting, which is um, been quite a uh, quite a task really because I haven't done much watercolor painting since I was at school. And although I'm you know reasonably adept at drawing and illustrating, watercolor's trickier than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> which is no surprise to anyone who paints in watercolor. Um, but yeah, it's, so that's been quite a, a challenge for me this week. Um, and then today I took a leaf out of your book and you're saying about, uh, you know, you get out of the house, take the dogs for a walk. Well, I don't have any dogs, so I just went for a walk. But I went for a big long walk in Bushy Park today, which, um, you know, but some people may not, is a big royal park, uh, kind of between Teddington and Hampton Court. Uh, it's a thousand acres of loveliness, really, and it was a really nice, nice long walk. Saw lots of wildlife, lots of deer, lots of woodpeckers, uh, and it was really nice. Stopped for a bit of coffee and cake halfway around, and came back feeling quite recharged. Oh, good for you. Well, I, I saw some photos fleetingly. Uh, was that on Instagram? Mm. I think. <clears throat> um, and yeah, absolutely fantastic. Was, was that shot with your iPhone? Um, no, most of those were shot with my Olympus pen. Right. Um, which is really good for wildlife stuff. I've got a big zoom lens on it, so it's great for wildlife, but um, kind of the other shots, I just use my iPhone. Cause it's kind of, kind of as good as you need, really, for a lot of things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've ditched my little um, compact. Um, yeah. But I think that you can tell the sharpness on the lens when you get nice weather on a proper um, yeah. SLR or, you know, 
DSLR or micro Absolutely. four thirds. Is that a micro four thirds, the pen? So it you is. Take, so it is, yeah. what lens have you got on that? I'm going to get the camera geeky I've now. got a reaching for... Is it a 300 mil? It's a 40 to 150 mil. Right, okay. So it's double. It's, it's a 300 yeah. equivalent, isn't it? Yeah. Is that, the, is that the Olympus one on that? It is, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's very, I've only got a couple of lenses. For that. I've got the, the one that came with it, which is a... Is it a 42 mil lens or something? And then I've got a little pancake lens as well, which is really good for portraits and things. Yeah, I've got um, well, I've got the same system, I, but I've got a Panasonic. Yeah, I think I think I got the same pancake the twenty mil. You. I think you recommended it to me. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a Panasonic. I don't know what it is. G two. I think um, it's not very good actually. I don't like the body, um, but the lenses I've got for it are lush. <laughs> yeah. Especially the new Olympus ones. They really yeah. are nice. Um, yeah. I've got a forty five mil one, which is absolutely lovely, especially yeah. for kids, because uh, it really gets close up, and you're not actually that close to them. Yeah, because it's a ninety mil equivalent. So yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. So um, so what about you? What have you been up to today? Today I have been frantically subbing stuff out (laughs) because um, I didn't realise this morning that my um, financial advisor was turning up this morning at half ten and I hadn't seen him for two years so we had quite a lot to go through um, and that took me all the way up to midday so I lost half a day so I frantically emailed around trying to get some things off my desk that I I need need to get um into the sausage factory so um i was doing that uh, i went for a swim um and i went and bought some pie uh and um i then worked on a website um that i'm presenting next thursday mm. um how's that coming along yeah it's been slow but um yeah it's coming along <laughs> i'm just presenting ideas um at the moment and then once i get approval on that then i tend to produce sort of html flat templates that everyone can play with but there's a lot of people involved in this process so um, it's going to be interesting um yeah so i've been busy doing that um what else have i been doing other than that been playing with my drawing i've been playing with my ipad pro at night um which is still brilliant i love i I do like i do like your drawings (laughs) <laughs> very tempting to uh, to get one to have a play around with yeah well I haven't drawn like that in that style since I was about 17, 18 when I used to draw a hell of a lot um, yeah. and do a lot of sort of comic book stuff um, and uh, yeah I just really enjoyed using the pen um, you know sitting in front of the telly uh, lights you know it's normally dark and i can just um scribble away I think that's I think that's exactly the the way I'd use it because you know if, if my wife and I both sat downstairs, you know, the with a little lamp on, it's kind of too dark to to sit with a sketchbook. Yeah. So I think it, you know the iPad Pro would be pretty handy in those situations. So yeah. I could carry on doodling. Yeah, uh, really, really liking it. Busy, busy weekend, and uh, went out with my wife last Friday for the first time uh, night. since yeah since baby was born. That's our really? first night out. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, that did you was get nice. a whole hog? Was it uh, dinner? Dance, we didn't eat a whole clubbing? hog. No, um, just just the wild boar each. <laughs> scroff, scroff. Um, no, uh, we went to Hotel Divan in Winchester. It was very nice. Very nice indeed. Steak and chips and perfect red wine. Um, yeah, it's really nice. And the in-laws looked after baby. So yeah, felt very 
very privileged to do that. I know it doesn't sound like much, but to us that's quite a lot. I mean, yes. Did you did you manage to enjoy the evening, or were you just uh, worrying about? No, God, no, God, no, no. You know, we're not those kind of parents. Good. <laughs> we're utterly selfish. No, we're not. We're not precious. We uh, we, you know, we like our life. So um, yeah, so that was my week. Um, in other things, yeah, I we'll get on with your with your news roundup, I guess. Well, my news roundup really is uh, last last week, or kind of the end of the week before. There was a a little outcry on Twitter with um, because of the Barclays Premier League rebrand, uh, and I can't actually remember who did it, but um, it was kind of derided in public as you know rebrands of well known businesses and cultural things often are like the olympics or gap or you know everyone thinks they can do better and no one understands it and the papers all run articles like the guardian did saying you know look at the look at the uh, premier league's new logo do you think you can do better and invite their readers to submit their own designs so twitter was kind of awash with uh, designers and people in the design industry defending the the rebrand and saying how uh, Articles like The Guardian's devalued the, the industry and it was kind of bad journalism to really narrow everything down onto, the, you know, this is the logo. Whereas actually it's, you know, it's the, the identity system, the logo is a part of it. Um, and the, it was kind of near unanimous, everyone really supporting the designers of the, the Premier League logo identity. Whereas this week... There was, um, have you looked at this yet? Have you had a chance to look at the, the new logo, the Met? Yeah, yeah, no, so I have. I've done my homework this week. You'll be amused, you? yeah. So uh, Wolf Ollins uh, did a rebrand of New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art and they worked with uh, a designer called Gareth Haig who works on the, the new logo. And it was met with almost unanimous derision on Twitter in sort of design circles. You know, Eric Speakman had a dig at it for being squashed and designers were having a go at it for being typographically clumsy and squashed. Uh, people comparing it to a double-decker bus, saying it was a graphic misfire. Um, and it was just quite interesting that, you know, a week apart, two rebrands of culturally important institutions were met with you know, entirely the opposite reaction from the design industry. Um, and it's, I couldn't quite work out why, really. I mean, the, the, the Premier League logo was was defended by the industry. Uh, there was little actual critique of the logo itself. I think people were so affronted by the Guardian's articles and kind of other stuff that was going around on social media that they just felt it necessary to to jump in and defend it. Whereas the Met, um, I don't know. It was, it just got a hiding, really. Is that uh, is that a hiding from the design press and design yeah. community? Yeah, um, I think and what, so. what was the reaction of the Premier League from the design community? Well, that that's it. There wasn't one. That you know, it was all over Twitter, but it was very much um, defending a design process and criticising reducing a, 
an identity down to a logo. So it was it was kind of abstractly defending the logo without dealing with it in specifics. Yeah. Um, whereas with the Met, even though really most people had only seen the the logo itself, none of the kind of iterations of it or none of the the other material that will go with uh, branding the museum. Um, people did just sort of dive in and have a have a right go at it, which is, which is kind of strange and a bit hypocritical, really. Yeah, well, my my initial when I started looking at it and then I looked at the Premier League one, there were lots of stories out in early January saying that day on the Daily Mail and other newspapers saying that they were going to drop the because they were they're shortening the name from Barclays Premier League to Premier League. Is that right? Yeah. I don't even follow football, so, yeah. so I don't even know what it's called before. But the um, there was this big thing where they were going to drop the there's a lion as at the moment on the the current branding. Mm. And they were going to drop the line, and that was actually news. That people, newspapers were actually saying they're dropping the line. You know, big, there's a big brouhaha, and that. And then the brand came out, and um, and I was reading these stories, and I was like, "But there's a lion on the new branding. I don't really understand it." Yeah. So there was a complete disconnect between what the media was reporting and actually what was what was real. Um, and I have to say, the the branding is, you know, for me, it's 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 iffy, um, but. You know, you can see, you, yeah, you can see what what happened, and you and you know, having worked in branding, you, you understand why things do sometimes. You know, don't always end up, you know, as what you, how you wanted it to. I think but, one of the interesting things, sorry to put in, one of the interesting things about the Premier League rebrand was that the I wish I could remember which designers were responsible for it, but uh, design they, studio, yeah. It. So they came out um, quite honestly and said that they designed it, designed the icon for the app first right which is taking the kind of mobile first design strategy to the the ultimate degree really um and saying that's how most people you know are going to interact with the brand so that they had to get that right first so i guess that uh kind of colors the way the whole design process went and you know it's responsible for the result really but i haven't really got any problems with the no, I quite like it. It's okay. It's fine. The colour, the background colours are very RGB, aren't they? And you, do, do you think they were chosen as, so as not to represent any kind of shirt, yeah. shirt colours yeah. whatsoever? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, they've also said that um, the colours are going to kind of change on a rotating basis every couple, every two or three years. Okay. So they're going to kind of refresh it with new yeah. colour schemes. So like the 2012 Wolf Ollins. Um, Olympic logo that caused a massive brouhaha apart from when the Olympics were on when everybody yeah. didn't see it because it blended into the background. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's Wolf Hollins again, you know. Yeah. They, yeah, they don't give a monkeys and do what they want. Um, and they've done that with this new logo for the what's being called the Met, um, yeah. which is, uh, I've lost my, my thread of where we are, but it's... Um, What's the, what's the actual museum called? The New York's Metropolitan Fine. Museum of Art. Yeah, I've never been to New York, so I don't. It, to me, it doesn't have any. You know, I don't know it. But yeah, um, I've I've been, and I've always I always knew it as the Met. Yeah. So um, the article that you sent to me is by a brand uh, a branding guy who is called Mark Kingsley, and he's worked for Landor. And funnily enough, I've actually worked with some ex Landor branding people. Yeah. Um, and his his counter arguments are very much in the, their response to a brief, which seems to me a very strange uh, deconstruction of of a you know a critique of a logo. Um, 
And I can't help thinking that there's a lot of sour grapes <laughs> in this that they didn't get the work to do such an such amazing work. Um, I yeah. don't, I don't. The, the logo is, you know, it seems a bit too crushed together for me. But um, I already saw saw it as a timeless thing, and I think isn't that the point of it? Um, I'm coming at this from a completely cold. You know, I, I haven't really studied it that much. Well, but. logos don't have to be a pretty thing, do they? They don't have to be. They don't necessarily have to be elegant and classically designed and typographically correct. You know, they're they're to do a job, which is to identify something and to, you know, identify other aspects of that with, you know, with the the museum. Yeah. And I think it's probably going to do that quite well. The other material that I I have seen, um, which a lot of it's up on um, brand new, the Under Consideration blog. Okay. Looks great, I think. Yeah, the website looks lovely. I love the colour. I, I really do like the red. I think it's really strong. And again, his argument, the counter-argument, is that their response to why they chose red is wasn't good enough. And you kind of like, they're, they're just like, well, I can't, can't be bothered to respond. Um, and it's almost like that people are demanding that they respond with, a, with the reasons why they why they made certain decisions. Um, yeah. I, re- I, f- I do feel for them, and I feel especially for Gareth Haig, who's obviously, he's a two-man band, and uh, he's obviously getting a lot of flack. Um, but, you know, you know, it's a great job for him, isn't it? It's, it's a fantastic opportunity. It is, um, and I wonder if, you know, when you take on these, these big, well-known free brands, I wonder if you just, you just have to kind of steel yourself for that backlash, knowing it's going to come. I mean, certainly Wolf Hollins with the 2012 thing, they've got experience in that regard. So yeah, I wonder if you just keep your head down, you know, take three weeks on holiday and, <laughs> you know, just yeah. let it all pass. Yeah. Uh, you know, and give people a little bit of time to get used to it and come out the other side and say, well, look, you know, it's actually working. It's yeah. doing what it was supposed to do. Because these aren't the sort of knee-jerk, um, you know, Daily Mail comment type of reaction of like, oh, they paid how much for drawing yeah. a silly picture? These are re- this is really in-depth deconstruction of the reasoning behind why they've why they've done with it. Um, so I, 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 I think the article is really well written and it's a really good, compelling argument for why it should have been done differently. But you just don't, you know, one of the facts in there is something like, I can't find it at the moment, but I don't know how many different departments or uh, curators there are. 50, was it something like that? Oh, I think it was more than that, wasn't it? So uh, imagine trying to get sign-off from 50 different people who probably all hate each other. Yeah, Um, and and it's a museum that, that, you know, has um, such a broad range of of exhibits as well. It's, you know, it's art and it's historical stuff and it's artefacts and paleontology and you know it's, it's all sorts of stuff so it's it's a logo that's got to have a real broad appeal so yeah there's a, you know you can't you can't please everyone all the time can you no 91 curators it was 91 yeah yeah so yeah and um mark kingsley says in it uh, so i can well imagine the process that, which uh, led up to the word mark so therefore, he should really appreciate the result they've come out because they've actually come out with a really good system. I think um, the, the system itself is great. I mean, yeah. the logo—you know—you can criticise it all yeah. you want, can't you? You can, you know, depending on your point of view, you're going to be able to crucify that logo for, you know, chopping a serif off an E or squashing the letters together or, you know, making the as big as met. Uh-huh. But um, but without. I don't know, it's, with all these branding jobs, without 
without understanding the process, without being part of it, without knowing what the client wanted, without knowing, you know, all the discussions that went on, you know, you're, you're criticising completely blindly. And I think in some ways his point about it kind of looks like it's been designed by a committee or has had to pass through a committee of 91 curators. It's a bit, it's a bit cruel, really, to say that it looks like that. I mean, there are 91 curators, but, you know, they may or may not have had a huge amount to say. 90 of them might not have seen it until it's finished. Yeah. We just don't know. No, we don't. That's that, that's 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 true. Uh, so it's a really interesting story, and I think what you've picked out is really interesting. Is why why one reaction for a mainstream consumer uh, piece of branding, and then one for a sort of highbrow, more um, uh, more of a job that design agencies would lust after. Um, yeah. And I wonder, you know, what is the motivation for it? But um, I'm sure there are counter arguments. I'd love to hear what people think. Um, if you, if anyone wants to send us any comments or uh, anything like that, um, Rob actually wrote a really interesting. I call it an article. He 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 shyly <laughs> dismissed it as one um, that we we should put up on the website yeah, yeah we can stick it up i think so i think it starts a good discussion so yeah please leave your comments we'll put it on the facebook's probably easiest isn't it I that's, da- that's dangerous isn't yeah, it, leave, it, it there, leaving so. the, leaving the, put it on there leave the comments open it'll be yeah. like the daily mail yeah well <laughs> the facebook is the daily mail isn't it, it speaking is of other design things what happened to the facebook today or yesterday they suddenly got these weird like slide yes. slide out like icons which are what, just what are they dreadful. calling them again I have um, no idea. Reactions. Really? Reactions. Well, yes. my reaction to that. To that <laughs> are you allowed to react on those things? I mean, uh, Facebook uh, is, is functional at best, uh, but the slide-out thing is just is so clumsily done. I, I think, you know, if, if you're going to criticise design decisions, then I think this one is way up there. Um, what's what's the point of it? I don't understand. Um I understand that some. What what are the options? I haven't even looked at what the options are. Um, I think. Well, I, I think it came about because people are always saying we want a, a dislike or an yeah. unlike button. All right, uh, I'm seeing them now. It's just popped up on a really horribly animated. Um, yeah, this so is a, so so incongruous with Facebook. But so you've still got the you've still got the um, the thumbs up for a like, haven't you? Yeah. You've got a heart for love, right? Okay, and then you've got a, a sad face. A ha ha, which is um, oh yeah, that's a grassy area in front of my house, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and then uh, wow, uh, Kate Bush, and then yeah. sad, yeah, and, and, and angry, and angry Ang- I'm furious. Yeah. So hopefully that will cut down a lot of the comments um, and <laughs> save them a lot of bites in storage, won't it? Because they'll just be angry, angry icon. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can kind of. You know, there's there's reasoning for allowing something more than a like. You know, someone if there's a, a sad story. Yeah, why not just two though? I don't. I you know, it's like twi- you know, it's the love and the like. What's the difference between the two? And it, and that that kind of that emo- that expression of emotion is so different between different people. I yeah. mean, I would never say I love things. <laughs> you know, I press like on a Instagram and it comes up with a heart, but. I'm not the kind of person who says, I love this, I love it. And it's just not me. It's strange because people use these things in such different ways as well. Yeah. You know, when the Twitter favourite was a star, you know, people used it for all sorts of things. It was, you know, it was shorthand for 
kind of ending conversation if you know you'd had a Twitter conversation with someone and really there was nothing else to say you could you could start oh, right. okay. their last Didn't comment it's like there you go that was good let's not carry on or it could be literally a favourite you could say this is great maybe not great enough for me to actually reply to or to retweet it but you know it's it's interested me or and then the way I used it was a bookmarking thing yeah that's how I used to use it yeah so I'd like things, um, and then I could go back and look at my likes, and yeah. you know, there are kind of links and things. But the heart, but then, the heart thing doesn't mean that, does it? It, it t- totally destroys that meaning. Well, it does, and the fact that they started putting in your timeline um, things that you'd liked. So if you liked something, it would appear in the timeline of people that followed you. So then it's like, oh, I don't want people seeing that I've liked that yeah. stupid thing on YouTube. That was just for me to look at later. Um, so they kind of broke a lot of the ways that people use that. Um, I guess Facebook's a, a little bit different because there are, you know, you can react in. Well, you know, you can react in different ways on Facebook anyway. But are we are we going to be reduced to these kind of little tiny snippets of emotional outburst um, that I have to describe myself within a certain icon <laughs> in well, yeah, the future? When I when I come over and uh, see if there are beer and a pint in a couple of weeks we're only going to talk in 140 character <laughs> sentences uh, well maybe we could make a series of beer mats that are just uh, emotive things that you slide under your beer um that then communicate how you're feeling at that time so you never have to speak so it will be like the pubs of old yeah you could have um little uh, little kind of led displays on the bottom of your pint glass yes as you raise your glass to drink it would tell the person opposite what you're what you're yeah. thinking yeah no I, I, yeah I like it. The Internet of Things. Um, But I have to say that I think that what they've done with the icons have treated it is just really bad. Unless um, uh, Facebook are going to suddenly reskin the whole website with a new sort of rounded look. Um, It just seems totally out of context. You know, they've got this they've got this very clean um, design aesthetic that's, you know, got tiny little radius corners and borders and everything. And then suddenly they've got this when you hover over the like button, this enormous um, radius cornered circular yeah. bar that i'm actually seeing it for the first time on the desktop right now yeah i'd only seen it on mobile before right yeah, it is it just does look big and, and clumsy and, then, and then they've overlapped the icons for some i don't know why why would you need to overlap this so once people have reacted to it they've then listed all the different emotions in there and people are listed inside with a pop-up list so if you go over yeah. the ha-ha one there's somebody laughing and you know whatever but then there's a long list of uh of names of people who've done certain things on that post but it doesn't actually say what of the which of those they you know it might be that they reacted really badly to it mm. it's, there's no context to it it's, it's really strange it's a really strange thing and then you've got square icons for everyone's profile image it, yeah it just seems like it's been bolted on um, well, that's it that's it isn't it yeah, it's bolted on completely. Yeah. So whether whether there is a new design, you know, scheme well, that'll coming. cause a pro, won't it? There'll be a Daily Mail article about that. Oh as well. well, let's let's hope so. The Guardian, Facebook have redesigned the <clears throat> homepage. Can you do better? We've got web servers to fill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah. The next the next bit of news I've just put in tonight actually because it involves a family member of mine um, that uh, my brother in law is called uh, Alid Lewis um, and he is a an amazing illustrator designer he certainly is uh, and he has created a poster um, 
for um, Bernie Sanders, who is the so he is the presidential. Wait, is he has he been chosen as the presidential candidate? No, he's a presidential potential Not, presidential candidate. Yeah, yes. um, and uh, he's created a poster for him, and it, it's he started to sell it to raise money. Now it's complicated because British people can't actually directly uh, fund American uh, election campaigns. So, Hang he, on, sorry, who's who's um, selling it. Alid is selling it to uh, raise Alid money will, for Bernie. Yeah. Yeah, he will be passing some money. Um if you go onto his Facebook page um which is uh facebook.com forward slash I think it's called Alid's page. So A L E D S P page. Um that will take you to Alid's page where the poster is. Um and uh, I do. I've seen comments where he's actually in conversations with the campaign itself, where they may be adopting this as a as a poster. So I think that could be really interesting for him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, it did quite good. Who was the guy that did the Obama herp one? Was it Shepard Ferry? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that took him to another level, didn't it? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed. Um, and he's been working very hard on that. But I think also he really believes in the politics. Um, yeah. I don't really I, I mean you know i'm british so i'm more interested in british politics um i obviously have an interest in what happens in america but um he really is uh a uh, uh an, a yankophile would that be <laughs> i don't i think <laughs> that that's something word? else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can take pills for that yeah um yeah no he he, he loves america i mean he even spells maths without an s and legos in plural I imagine. What? I know he's a traitor. <laughs> I'd have him dragged to the tower and had his have his Absolutely. toes tickled with an owl feather. If they'd have been at Hogwarts, uh, <laughs> I've lost I've lost meaning now. But but yeah. So check him out. Um, and if you are American and you support um, democracy, then you should buy his poster. Um, he's making. I think he's making screen printed one to start with and making it as cheap as possible. It's a five color screen print. His prints are amazing. I've got several on my walls, um, and he's an all round good geezer. So yeah, get it's over. a great poster as well. I'd actually seen it around and not realised it was Alad. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, diff- it's different to his style, isn't it? But he's mm. always he's always had a political edge to yeah. some of his things. Um, so yeah, no, it's interesting. That's my other yeah. news. Um, and in other. Other news? I don't know. I've got any. Um, I've got one quick one, which is that I saw that there was a um, an Adobe, what I was calling App Cloud last week, which really confused you. Um, their Creative Suite, um, Creative Cloud, they call it. Yeah. They they have just got rid of Flash, um, and it's now called. I think it's called Animate CC. Um, so that's an interesting shift. F- by them um obviously apple have been trying to get rid of flash on devices well they've banished them from the ios devices and it doesn't come installed on mac but also you know it's dying a death all the major media um videos uh, people like youtube and vimeo are now switched over to an html5 player so i think we'll see the death of flash happen very quickly over the next few months um does does this new adobe thing export stuff as html it does yes which is really interesting so i think we're going to see a a new wave of kind of responsive uh interactive websites that are very much going back to how flash sites were in the um 
early 2000s. Um, So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what people do with that. Um, I think we're going to move away from this very flat design, very um, structured, um, you know, with big, bold buttons and call Mm. to actions. I think we will go back to a more mood-led design. Again, I'd be interested to see what people say. But I think with these kind of new tools that are coming out where we are um, enabling desktop applications, much like Illustrator, to create web content once more, which we haven't been able to for a long time, Mm. um, that I think apps like this are really going to change things. Um, so yeah, so check out Animate, Animate CC. I'll have to have a look I at that. Not that I do much uh, in terms of web. Not that I understand much in terms of the web, to be honest. But um, but yeah, it does sound interesting. Yeah. Uh, you got any other news? Nope. No okay. News. That's All it. Right. That's it. Okay. I'm done. So we're going to get on to our main thing, which is we're going to be talking about a every month. We're going to talk about a particular book. It might be a design book. It might be a novel. It might be a manual on how to raise um, squirrels. But uh, this week we are talking about uh, a book by um, uh, China Mieville called The City in the City. Yeah. Um, he China Mieville. Do you want, have you got any background on him? Do you want to give a quick? No. Biography? No? <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Uh, you do it. Well, I, I mean, he is a writer of science fiction and what I'd call weird fiction. Um, which I think that's actually a thing, weird fiction. Isn't yeah, it? it's... Um, uh, what's his face? Um, my brain is emptied of all knowledge. But yeah, weird fiction would be where you take um, current, uh, present... A reality and you twist it somewhat and write about it so i guess um something like war of the worlds that we talked about a couple of weeks ago could be seen to be weird fiction and uh yeah he has written a series of um fantasy novels um well this was a fantasy sci-fi but he writes them from a really interesting viewpoint and this book is actually completely different to all of his other books so if you well, I haven't I haven't read all of his books. Is, is it different to all of his other books um, well, in style? I've read the the Bass Lag series, which is Padido Street Station, The Scar, and Iron Council, and I've read the Kraken as well, and this one, and it's very different to those. Yeah, um, it's very. It's, I mean, it's very much a kind of noirish crime thriller, isn't it? It's like an East European detective novel. Yeah. In, in kind of for ninety percent of its content, that's that's what it is. But with this strange twist, yeah. Well, I read an interview with him, and I'm going to get the, I'm going to mangle this, but he re- he said that it's in three parts. So the first part um, is a traditional sort of uh, detective gumshoe novel where you've got a um, a sort of cynical older detective and his young upstart. Um, assistant and then the second part is where he's um it's like a good cop bad cop um when he meets a uh, another rival cop and then the last part is more of a political intrigue um where it's a sort of chase movie almost uh almost almost diehard style um With ending a, to it a bit of kafka thrown in yeah oh totally you know <laughs> kafka th- uh, threaded all the way through it um, but the book is uh, is about uh, a city in which he doesn't really describe it that much. Um, it's not like his his um, Baslag, is it? The, the, yeah. yeah. The, where a lot of the narrative is about describing uh, certain areas of cities or lands, or and he is fantastic at it. He actually lets the city leaves it alone quite a lot. But the curious thing about it is that there are two cities, and they are 
superimposed on top of each other um, and that the two sets of citizens from each city are not allowed to even look at each other um, even though they might be walking down the same street so there are these places called what they call cross cross hatch where one building might be in both cities at the same time um, and they can um, cross over between the two cities via this place called Coupler Hall is it yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that is the only thing in the whole city that is exactly the same on both sides um, so you've got this um, traditional murder um, where a body is found of a woman um, and it's been uh, it, it's found on the side of the main a character who's called Tyador Borlu, um, and he he is from Beshel, which is the poorer side of the city, or the poor, poorer state of the city. But the actual murder seems to have been committed in Ulquoma, which is the richer, more uh, Western uh, influenced side of the city. So there's this whole sudden call into uh, politics where the two sides have to meet to uh, agree how the um, the case should should proceed. So it goes on from there as a normal sort of noirish style detective novel but you've got this constant weird uh, uh, interspatial kind of um, discussion as to where where they're allowed to go what they're allowed to see and there's this mysterious police force that's in between the two cities called breach um, and if you are caught crossing lines or talking or communicating with people across the two cities then you are seen as being in breach and you are taken off and it's kind of implied that you're pretty much neutralized yes <laughs> so people that's who people who breach aren't seen again are they no and the whole book is about finding out about what has happened to this uh, poor girl um and so yeah it's a it's a cracking read um and it's interesting from a design point of view because he's actually he has created this you know he's created this city whether he's drawn maps or whether he's written huge amounts of information about it um but he is really really sp- spare with what he gives you in the actual book um and i read an interview with him and he did say that that is the case that he he deliberately held back um on on the city because he wanted the story to be the main driving force of of what was going on yeah, it just, he just kind of hints and alludes to to the kind of the style of the city or its its location, doesn't it? it can't, and he talks about they trade with uh, sort of various East European countries at one point. I think he, they they trade with Bulgaria and um, is it Bratislava? I think he's mentioned. So you kind of get this inkling that it's it's kind of Bohemian. It's it's kind of out east of. Poland somewhere or but I guess a lot of it is also kind of directly comparable to Berlin as well at one point isn't it with the division and one side being westernised and the other being under the Iron Curtain yes so Special is very much the uh, poorer side. Um, I, I was I was brought into my you know Berlin was the immediate city mm. um, where he's actually taken east and west, but rather than them being separated by a wall, they're actually separated by um, a concept or by um, by their actual belief systems rather than a physical barrier. I think once it, it takes a while in the novel for you to get your head around this shift, um, and, but once you do, you just drop into the actual. The actual mystery. It's amazing. It's such a, a fantastic and unusual concept, the way that he writes it. But yeah, you do 
you do quite quickly get used to that and just concentrate on this fantastic crime thriller really yeah it is it is it is well well worth a read so um and the the challenge that we were going to do was um uh we were going to do uh, it was my idea to come up with a drawing and our time is very short so um we were going to come up with a design of what we th- something about the book every month but um rob was off photographing wildebeest or something <coughs> That's um, right. So I, I did a quick sketch, which I'm just going to send him now via... I don't know, what shall I send it via? I don't know. Um, can, can you Skype it at me? So, yeah, I was thinking of uh, more of like a book cover kind of design. Um, and I was thinking of using different inks and um, some foils to create a kind of effect of the overlays. So I found some photographs. One one is of a um, one is of New York Street scene and the other one is of Tallinn, um, a city yeah. in Tallinn. Uh, so I was kind of going for the east and west view of it. Um, just trying to see if that's the right one. It's funny, as soon as you mentioned about doing kind of a book cover type thing, I was like, oh, damn, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> so I sent that to you. So um, it's probably going to come out in a really weird colours. But, um, yeah, so I've gone for this sort of neon effect of drawing one over the other and then pulling out this sort of strange-looking figure in in the Ooh, middle of it. Wow. I just just sketched it out on the uh, the old iPad. So it's unfinished, but... Um, that's really nice, though. I love the the, the layers... The, the kind of melding of those two uh, different types of street scene. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't think the type's right because it looks like Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I actually did, uh, I did a Google search for it, um, but I was still in Google Images and it came up and the first bunch of images are images of the book cover. And then there's a few, some people have drawn maps of it and then, the rest it just seems to uh, descend into Sex and the City images. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not it's not been hugely popular. But um, there's uh, I was reading a BBC press release that the BBC Two are creating a short series um, based on the book. Um, whether that is going to go ahead or not, I don't know. I couldn't find anything else about it. Yeah, um, I'd heard about that as well. I think that'd be great. I think it's it's you know perfect kind of little mini series. Uh, concept isn't it oh yeah and with with camera but you know you could quite easily make that quite you know convincing well it'd be interesting to see how they do it as well Mm -hmm. because i guess as you read it you've got a very different you know you and i have probably got quite different ideas of how how these two cities work and overlap and would be something to look forward to that i think yeah so we'll put a link to the book on our um so what yeah i mean we'll put a link to the book on the website so what did you make of it what do you think he was trying to say in the book well i think like you said the the obvious parallels are about berlin and germany and eastern europe and the kind of totalitarian regime more than that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i liked it i liked it as a kind of a, a weird crime thriller I yeah. didn't delve. You know, I tend not to delve too deeply into the the politics of of books. You know, there's a uh, great author I like called um, Ken McLeod, whose books are incredibly political, but I just like reading them as out and out sci fi books, really. But what about you? Because you you were saying how uh, Marxist. Well, I think he's saying a lot about what Western culture imposes on. Um, on its citizens, um, and in fact, more so than uh, than um, communist bloc 
cities. So, for example, the Beshal, um, they're pretty much free to do whatever they want. Whereas the, this influence of um, capitalism, you know, is at some point going to crush who's going to make um, the other city grow so much, all Quoma, that it will crush Beshel. It will destroy their culture entirely. And you get that sense that it is dying and decaying, that, yeah. that, that side of it. Um, but I think what he was, what he's saying is the unseeing thing of not of actually avoiding someone's stare and uh, is, is a kind of dig at Western um, culture, ignoring what's going on in the rest of the world and only fixating on what is important to them, which is money um, yeah. at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, I, I I got those undertones, but only actually you know reading an interview with him afterwards, I didn't feel that pulsating through the book. Um, no. But it definitely felt like a like a Cold War kind of state. But they didn't yeah, feel like they were you know both cities were under this police this sort of sub police state, um, which is called breach. Which I think the threat of that was great. It really was because you never see them um, yeah, all the way sinister. through the book. Yeah, well I won't say you know too much pretty much all the way through the book you never see never hear you know you don't know what's going on but you know at any point they're watching them yeah very very well written yeah so yeah recommend that in other news yeah there's a, i'll put up a couple of links there's a really good james nochety uh from uh x uh radio 4 presenter well he's not x radio 4 but he's x um X today today program um he's now concentrating on books and he has a really good interview with china Mievo, which is really interesting um it's only half an hour long so definitely yeah, give i haven't that listened listen. to that yet so i will then what were we going to talk about then i can't remember well i've got my website of the week yes have you got a jingle for that yet no i should though <laughs> oh what we should have we should have a little glockenspiel like, okay um like heidi high um website of the week i'm just writing that down glock so my website of the week is uh, theperimeter.uk. Right. Which is the project of Quinton Blake, who is an architectural photographer, and he is walking the coastline of Britain. Right. So it's 10,000 kilometres. He thinks it's going to take him around five years, and he's doing it in sections. Yeah. He says he's going to be walking two or three months a year, <clears throat> walking up to 40k a day depending on whereabouts he is. Um, and he'll do this in kind of week or two week sections. So he'll camp out or he'll stay guest houses and B&Bs and things. And there's actually a bit on his website where you can invite him to, uh, to keep at your place on his, on his walk. All right. But he's, he's photographing the coast, not literally beaches and rock pools, but he's the, the kind of interesting things that he sees on the way. So I think at the minute he's down near kind of Dartmouth, Dartmouth Way, kind of down, you know, Southampton, Portsmouth. Well, Dartmouth is dead. He's further over, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, he's not there. But he's, you know, he's down in the, the what, southwest. What's it called? It's called The Perimeter. So the, the Perimeter. The Perimeter.uk. .uk. Porchester to, Go- to Gosport. Okay. Well, that's where my, uh, yeah, my wife is from there. Totnes. Totnes, Totnes. Oh, to, no, so he's so in he Devon. Is, he is in Dalton. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. a lovely part of the world. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, well, that's amazing. Oh, uh, I, I really like that website. It's fabulous. Yeah, so he he posts um, a bunch of pictures from each little section of his walk with captions, and he writes a little bit more if there's, you know, kind of an interesting historical or kind of cultural thing that he's seen or experienced. Uh, and he puts a, a map of his route down and you can you can 
see where he is now. There's a live tracking section of his website, and you can look at his his entire route. Uh, and he's seeing as I think someone on the uh, frequently asked questions asked him, you know, how he can afford to do this, and basically he's using it as a way to advertise his architectural yeah. photography business. But he's going to be selling prints of these photographs as well. But it's um, I kind of love this. You know, I love Britain. I love seeing bits of Britain that I haven't seen before. So these kind of journeys are fantastic. Um, so it's a lovely, lovely website. My That's God. my website for the week. That's brilliant. And he is, um, I just want to, he is carrying around a full, like, 6D with three lenses. He yeah. is going to be so fit. <laughs> I think he's. I think he said he's, his backpack weighs 18. He's mad. He mad. Why isn't he, yeah, I don't know why he's, well, he's got a tilt shift um, wide angle for doing architectural stuff, hasn't he? But yeah. why he'd need need that is anyone's guess i would just be going around with instagram but yeah i, I wish well, it's he, weird because he's he crops all his images and he's cross cropping them square like he's using a hasselblad or something exactly and i thought oh he's, he's obviously putting these on instagram but he's actually going to be selling the prints he's going to sell he's going to sell oh, 40 could... by 40 centimeter prints right or, or one meter by one meter prints. Yeah. well good luck to him and uh, uh yeah no, I, I i've i've followed that already and um, so i will be yeah. looking at that um, I've got one. Can I have a, can I have a website? Of the week? Um, it's what we've been talking about offline. Um, it's called uh, writer.inklestudios.com. And yeah. Inkle Studios is a small development company in Cambridge in the UK. And they are making amazing games um, for all platforms, I think they are. Um, but they are available on iPad um, and iPhone. Um, and they have created this... Um, engine which they're calling writer Um, and you can actually create your own games and what it is is a kind of um, fighting fantasy make your own adventure system Um, and then they've been customising it to build their own special games and the first game that they had out which was called 80 Days which is based on the Jules Verne uh, novel Around the World in 80 Days and you play um, I've forgotten the servant's name um, Passepartout yeah Passepartout well done Uh, the, the expensive version of Quark and um he uh he, uh and it's a brilliant game it's really really good really intriguing you travel the world and you can see everybody else online as they're traveling around trying to race yeah, around cool. the world it's really really good game and they built that using this engine and now they've licensed um three uh, four games from the fighting fantasy books that we were talking about warlock of firetop mountain yeah. the only ones that are actually sequels to each other um in actual game were the sorcery se- series where you could actually memorize spells and use them in the books yeah. um, and they were written just by steve jackson not by ian livingston of um tomb raider fame who normally wrote with him um and they've produced the first three games the first two uh the first one is very short and the second one is absolutely fantastic um really really recommend it uh, you're wandering around a city as a little cardboard cutout almost like um paddington bear it's, you know from the 1970s done. i've just started uh, playing the first one yeah so you'll get through the first one really really quickly the second one i just played for hours and you just you can play dice with people um and it's this game and you just sit um playing dice with all sorts of different people uh, you don't have to do anything but it's a it's just brilliant fun and the drawings are fantastic i mean you know, um i love black and white simple uh, stark illustrations especially fancy ones so it's right up my alley as yeah. it were diagon alley um, are, there, are the illustrations in the first one by russ no they're not they're by um i i'll put it in the show notes who it's by but it's a similar guy he yeah, he they, also they did the illustrations similar, they? they are they're a lot more loose 
but yeah definitely recommend those check them out they're called sorcery you can get them for like for three games they're about seven quid or something they're really yeah. really cheap well worth i really I, and i don't play games anymore I, I find games really boring very quickly and i actually played the first two through i haven't had time to start the second one um yeah so that's that one so it's writer.inklestudios.com and you can make your own fighting adventure or you know uh you can be the hero as it yeah. were Great so stuff. we might be having a little go of that. We've created a uh, North v South one. Yep. Um, that's, we'll have to remember to pack our iron spikes. <laughs> Mine have gone rusty. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't oil them. Oh dear. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think. Uh, well, what else? We were going to talk about music, but should we save that for next week? And Let's. we're running out of time. Um, well, we want to keep it under an hour, don't we? So yep. fifty-five minutes. So it's kind of on to. Um, pie reviews i guess okay so my pie is a um i bought a slice of pork and chicken and ham farmhouse pie from waitrose and uh, it's full of jelly i've taken a photo of it i will post it soon after this uh, it's a good, good and i asked for a man-sized chunk <laughs> which cost me about two pounds twenty and uh, it's more like i, I wanted a game pie because I, I love a bit of game pie yeah um but they didn't have any so it's your childhood coming through again mm-hmm. isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it's really it? it's damn good. Pastry is excellent. Um, full of jelly. It's lush, actually. I'm starving, and I'm washing it down. Excuse me, with a glass of Henny's dry cider from oh, Herefordshire. Nice. I thought that would go with the pork. Yeah, it's almost like a scrumpy. So that is absolutely top notch. I'm going to give that an eight out of ten. Ooh, yeah, it's that good. Might have to get myself to Waitrose. Yeah, um, I was going to wash my pie down with beer, but um, I had a, a can of Dinkelacker German beer in my fridge. It's been there for well longer than I thought because it was 14 months out of date. <laughs> so I'm not drinking the Dinkelacker. So my pie is um is liquid free so it's a uh, it's a chicken and mushroom pie from church street food hall in twickenham um and it looks like a pie that you would buy at a football match right <laughs> in a little foil dish um and my wife got it for, my wife was on um, pie buying duty today um, and actually bought me two to choose from. And I had the other one at lunchtime, and it was very disappointing. So I'm hoping for much better. So here goes. Very nice, moist. It's hot as well. I've just got this out of the oven. Mm. This is such a... This is, this is podcast heaven, isn't it? This is Sony award-winning stuff. <laughs> it's very good, actually. Yeah? You know, classic chicken and mushroom pie. Gotta love a bit of chicken and mushroom. Bit of uh, tarragon in there, I think. Yeah. Creamy sauce. Ooh la la, continental. Very nice, very nice pastry. <laughs> uh, so I get, that's probably getting a, that's probably getting a six, I think. Excellent. But it'd been nice washed down with some beer, but um, but yeah, that's not bad at all. I've just taken a very quick, poor picture of it as well. It looks quite sad. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. Let's get it up there. Yeah, absolutely. So what's what's up for uh, the next week? Are you busy? You got any work on? Are you mm. still doing these watercolors? Got to finish this watercolor. So hopefully I'll get that finished um, tomorrow and over the weekend. And then I've got a couple of commissions to do, and then I'll start um, hawking myself about to, uh, to to get some more work. I think. Yeah, it's 
come to that. It's that time of uh, that time of the month that I need to start uh, paying the bills. Yeah. Well, what about you. Well, you've got your your website to. Uh, yeah, I've got lots to present. Of I've got loads of that to do. Um, I'm down on the south coast at the weekend at the grandparents, so nice. um, I will be walking along the coast at Muddyford. All in all, all tickety boo. Yep, I'm going to now eat the rest of my pie. Yep, me uh, too. Going to drink my cider and um, <clears throat> and go and lie down and sob and edit this <laughs> show. <laughs> so um, no, but yeah. So thanks for everyone for listening. We've got an amazing. I have to tell you how many subscribers we've Please got. Please do. Uh, we have got 421 subscribers, <laughs> which is, is astonishing. That is insane. Yeah. So uh, how is that? Because we we. Put the links up for iTunes and for SoundCloud. Yeah. So is that across them both? I th- it, it doesn't tell me that. Um, so we're going to have to um, we're going to have to go pro on SoundCloud because we've used oh. up so much of the sound. It's only it's four quid a month or something. Okay. Um, and it looks like so- that was another bit of news I was going to announce. It looks like SoundCloud have run out of cash and they're desperate for cash, so they may be going bust. So we may be moving somewhere else very rapidly. <laughs> the other thing in the tech news was um, yeah that. Sh- uh, Spotify um, is moving on to Google Cloud, so I imagine yeah, yeah. that Google will be acquiring. Buy that. But yeah. uh, it's all changed, so nothing ever stays the same. So I think something that we could talk about next week, um, ending on this, is we were talking about binary middens and where should you store your um, your information. You know, if you are building everything on WordPress or uh, on the WordPress actual hosted site or Facebook or um, you know all your musics on. Um, uh, spotify what happens when that goes away what where's the ownership where does it yeah. go so we'll talk about that next week um so yeah i'd just like to say thank you to rob and to everyone for subscribing and listening and i'll see you next week thank Mr. you John. Turpin. Looking, looking forward to it have a good one enjoy thank your you. weekend enjoy your pie cheers you too cheers John. bye, bye. bye. Eight sequence stars were no good for making car movies right.